Good morning. Good morning, everyone who's here. Good morning, everyone who's not here, but who's watching and listening right now. Uh, it's good to, be, to see so many faces here. Uh, it's sad still to be missing others, although I have to say that most of the faces here do look like they're bandits, so it's a slightly unusual experience. Um, but still good, good to see you. And uh, whether you're here uh, or watching online, today, as we're gathering in this way for the first time physically, uh, it's a reminder of our togetherness. It's been said during this pandemic that we're all in the same storm, but not all in the same boat. We're kind of uh, all together and also all different. Last week, Ruth Morton explained to us the truths in Psalm 133 about God blessing unity amongst diverse people. And I'm going to follow up on that today and in doing so rehearse a message that was shared here last summer. In 2009, we spoke about our future focus, our future focus as a church. And we affirmed the biblical truth that as God's people, we have a good future together. I thought I might, there we go, thanks Adam. We, we have a good future together. Uh, if you want to find out more about what we described as our future focus, because there was quite a bit to it, you can find it on the church website under the About Us tab. Uh, one of the things that we did was look at the story of the Hebrews entering the promised land and what God did. And one aspect of that that we noted is that there were some, some strongholds that resisted their progress and which they needed God's help to demolish, like the city of Jericho with its thick walls that God demolished miraculously. And we identified three strongholds that could stand in our way of entering into that wonderful future that God has for us. Uh, these strongholds are the kind described in the New Testament, not physical walls, but ungodly ways of thinking that we need God's help to demolish. One of those strongholds we called us and them. Us and them. This habit of thinking that our way is the best way, and perhaps of just making friends with people who are like us. It's the human tendency towards tribalism, sticking with people like ourselves. When, and it's a stronghold that needs tearing down in our thinking and in our lives. God is building a united people with all of our diversity. The truth is that God is building a kingdom, as it says in Revelation chapter 5, from every tribe and language, every people and nation, and I want you to know who he is succeeding. You know, faith in Jesus, thank you, there's a few hands. Faith in Jesus is too often stereotyped as the religion of white men, when it is in fact the most ethnically diverse movement the world has ever seen, and today, it's women of colour 
who are most likely to trust in Jesus, more than men, more than white people. God has always been about including diverse people. Uh, He started building up his people, whom we know as the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament. He started with Abraham's family, the Hebrews, But right from the get-go, as they became a nation in Exodus, Exodus chapter 2, Zipporah joins in. She marries Moses. She's the daughter of a Midianite priest, not not born into the family, but joined into the family. In Joshua chapter 2, Rahab allies herself with these people. She is a Canaanite woman. There's a whole book entitled Ruth in the Bible, which is the story of a woman from another nation, from Moab, who not only joins the people of God, but becomes the grandmother of King David. And it's not only diverse women that get joined in. Uh, In Exodus, again, chapter 12 and verse 38, as the people of Israel, the Hebrews, left Egypt, it says many other people left Egypt with them. It says there was a mixed multitude who left together. Many others joined in. In Jeremiah 38, it tells us about a royal official in Jerusalem serving the king of Israel, the king of Judah, called Ebed-Melech, who rescued the prophet Jeremiah from persecution. And the people of Jerusalem had stuck him in a well and we're happy to let him perish. And one man intervened. And it says in Jeremiah 38 and verse 7, this man was a Cushite, which is to say he was Ethiopian. There's only, there's only one hero in that particular story, and he's a black guy. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, that event touched people on that one day from right across the Middle East or the different places that it's named, that people were touched, and from three continents. Uh, there was a people going eastward to Media, which was the land that borders as far as today's Afghan, uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan, southwest into Africa, northwest into Europe, and southeast to Arabia. We read in Acts chapter 13 that the church at Antioch had a multi-ethnic leadership. There was Barnabas, an Israeli Jew. There was Simon, who was called Niger, which is to say he was black. There was Lucius from Libya. And then Paul, who was raised in Tarsus, the city where Antony and Cleopatra first met. You know, we call this country that we're in physically the United Kingdom, but it's not even in the same league as the unity of God's multi-ethnic kingdom. So, having last summer named the the ungodly tendency towards tribalism, having named the need for God's help to move beyond thinking of them and us, we've been praying for God to tear down any walls that separate us. Andy, uh, who you've seen being thanked this morning, and Sanjay, who with Jenny was leading, have been gathering some of our church members here who are either not British or not white or not either 
and talking about what church life is like and seeking a deeper unity within our diversity. And then, (coughs) and then, I've got something in my throat. During lockdown, an officer called Derek Chauvin knelt on George Floyd's neck. And and so much has been changing, and so much has been touching our hearts, and I, I trust change going on in us. At a greater pace and a greater depth than we would have imagined, Sanjay has uh, posted some things on the church website showing some good reading and videos to watch uh, to help all of us engage with the question of, of how, do we, how do we respond? What do we understand of racism in our society today? I have joined several calls, video calls, with pastors from across the city in which all of our time has been taken up listening to black church leaders telling us of their experiences of racism, including within the church in Oxford. And I've been learning that there are many more stories to be told of life experiences that are are different to mine, and I want to listen. I want to hear those stories. I just want to name a few things that I've heard, which perhaps I should have heard years ago, but I've heard now, and hardly the whole story, but some things at least. I've heard people, I've heard that people who have experienced racism are often hesitant to talk about it, not just because of the fear of being ignored, but also because they don't want to come across as moaning. And so I've learned that there are many non-white Christians who have quietly got on with forgiving those who hurt them, even in the church. Just quietly got on with forgiving, not even troubling me, uh, not wanting to come across as as negative, but simply making a choice to forgive and to bless, and to forgive and to bless. And I've had opportunity to talk again with some some black pastors in the city, and together as uh, white church leaders, we've been able to say thank you for, for that generosity. And I want to say this morning that for anyone here who has just got on with forgiving, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. I'm humbled by it. And and I wish I'd known about this nobility of character that was going on. To me, unseen, unheard. But now I know and I want to honour that. That generosity. That overflow of love. Thank you. 
Something else I've heard is I've heard the pain and frustration of one black family saying that they knew their children would face discrimination just as they had on the basis of their skin colour and that there was that the frustration that there was nothing they could do to avert that. No level of wealth, no level of education would change the expectation of discrimination on, for their children. I've also heard that experiences of racism are not always clear-cut. Suppose you have someone come to service your gas boiler and he treats you rudely and he leaves things in a mess and you call their office and straight away on the call they're rude to you too. Now, if you're not white or if you have a foreign accent... There's every reason to wonder whether that is racism at work. If you happen to be from an Afro-Caribbean heritage, knowing full well that your ancestors were seen as less than human, first as slaves, then neglected, and then facing open racism on arrival in the UK, it's hard to avoid the feeling that this too is racism. I, don't, I, I hope no one's expecting for me to say something super clever that sort of sums all of this up. That's not where we're at. Where we're at is we're listening. That there's much more still to listen to. Uh, in this church, I've so far only had one person in this season asked to get in touch with me and to talk to me about an experience of racism uh, that she had here. And it was a privilege to be able to hear, hear of that and to respond to it. And I think it was responded to, um, uh, well, to her satisfaction. Uh, and obviously there are diverse experiences of discrimination some church members have told me that their experience of tribalism in Africa was worse than anything they'd experienced here in the UK. So there's a huge amount of diversity and the right response as God is building a multi-ethnic kingdom is for us to renounce all kinds of tribalism, all racism, and to listen, to find out what it is that people have experienced. I find myself asking the question, well, I want to ask people the question, tell me about how your life experience differs from mine. What have you experienced that you think I haven't? I'd like to know about it. To my shame, I realized, even just in preparing these few words for this morning, you know, I have several mixed-race members of my own fairly close family, and I've never asked them about how that ethnicity has affected their life experience. It's never, never occurred to me to do so. I, I assumed that I knew, but I want to listen. Uh, I was going to get the band to come up now, but I think given the time, I think we won't trouble to do that. Um, thank you for being ready and willing. <laughs>
What I want to do is just to leave a couple of moments quiet for us to reflect. It, it may be that once again you're feeling uh, it's time to repent of whatever kind of tribalism you can identify in your own heart. To renounce it, to pray, and uh, I ask the Lord as we do this in this quiet moment, I pray that if there are any, I'm sure there are, specific conversations that we ought to have, be they with family members or colleagues or whomever it may be, either to tell them something of our experience that they ought to know or to ask people about their experience that we ought to know. We'll bring those people to mind. Even right now, I pray. I pray that in this moment that you would come by your spirit as you're working right around the world building that kingdom of every tribe and people and language or that you would do that work in us this morning by changing something in our hearts that prepares us to be a part of it that tears down the walls that divide us so just in this moment Lord would you come please come to us now speak to us I ask in Jesus name Father, I pray for your healing power to be at work in us. Thank you, Jesus, that you died, that all sin might be forgiven and done away with. You gave your life as a ransom for many that we might be bought into a whole new way of life, way of life characterized by love and generosity. Lord, I pray that you would you, you take the lid off whatever you want to take off. Um, pray that you change us in every way that you want to change us. I pray that you would catch us up as just, just one local church, but as Oxford Community Church, into that, the fullness of your desire for people of every tribe. Lord, we want that. And I pray that you'd help us. And I do pray that whenever we find ourselves thinking in terms of us and them, that you would remind us that, that we are one in you, that we're brothers and sisters, that there, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body, one family. Help us to believe it, Lord, and help us to live it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Lord help us. Um, you know, there are, there are other kinds of diversity in the body of Christ as well. There's female and male. There's old and young. There's Liverpool football fans and fans who don't support champions. <laughs> um, but it's not all about categories, categories. 
of humanity that we fall into. It's also about every single one of us being made uniquely in God's image and, and made uniquely uh, by the gifts and the, the talents, the vocation that he gives to us. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And uh, we're going to finish this morning with, with this focus that actually in our unity, it's not about sort of um, quenching the difference, but it's about God coming uh, and encouraging us in the gifts that he's given us, the different vocations that we have. And at this point, I particularly want to draw attention to an individual, because that seems to be the best way to do it. And that individual is Simon Jackman. Um, come on, Simon, you better come up here. I don't know which microphone you've got one. Ah, oh, good. Um, now, stools, they're great, aren't they? Can I, oh, well, let's do that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I... They're a bit uncomfortable, actually. Right, so that's good. Um, <laughs> Simon and I are different in a number of ways. Oh, yes. Uh, he's much more positive than I am. <laughs> Simon is, is much better at winning people over than I am. He's much more future-orientated. He's much more motivated to get things started than I am. Um, he has a lot more new ideas than I do. And I, I have quite a few new ideas, but he, he has even more. These are gifts and talents that Simon has, and they tie in with the calling that God has for him. Now, some of you have been an elder for a number of years, but three years ago uh, took on a couple of paid roles for the church, being chief executive to our charity, which includes the King Centre and the King's School, a number of churches, uh, and also as a pastor, joined the pastoral staff. Whilst also, this is amazing, maintaining a part-time role as senior innovation fellow in Oxford University. And... Uh, using all of those God-given gifts, uh, God has used Simon uh, to identify some habits in our church life that would hold us back from stepping into that future that he has for us. He's been a catalyst for change. Hasn't yet seen all of the change that he believes God wants to bring, but has been a powerful catalyst already for change. Some of you know some of the details of that. And more recently, has been winning, they said he's better at winning people over than me, has been winning over friends uh, within Oxford University as they think about what to do with the future of this whole part of the city, won over friends at Bethel Church in Reading in California who now want to bless us. They didn't even know about us before, but now want to bless us. And I want to say this morning, I am immensely grateful for all of that. Sanjay said earlier, all the thanks were over, and I thought, no, no, they're not. There's this. There's this as well. I'm going to let you talk in a minute. It's all right. Um, uh, now, uh, God has spoken clearly about a further change for Simon to return to having a full-time focus in his paid employment in Oxford University uh, because God's got things for you to do. So you better talk about those because I'll get it all that wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for your words, Steve, as well. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, 
how do you start on something where God's calling you? About eight years ago, I had a vision for some work that we were doing, basically modeling the planet, uh, planet Earth, and looking at how you could model it more effectively to help you think about how we could reforest parts of the world or grow our crops more efficiently, deal with floods and all sorts. And I'd said to my colleagues... Uh, who are at the university, look, I'd like to do this job. Could we make up a job for me? And we, we made up a job for me, uh, which I've been doing for six years, three of it full-time, three of it part-time. And I've started praying at that time for God to make a way for this kind of ability to use data science, machine learning, those sort of techniques, satellites and all that, to actually make a real difference for our, our society around us. And... After three years, nothing had happened and I gave up. And then it seems like God has made that dream come to life again. And indeed, a number of other dreams alongside that for me. And it's also when I've gone down part-time with the church and it's like, you shouldn't be able to do this in three days a week. And in fact, you can't because God does something and God has effectively rebirthed some stuff uh, in my life in the last few years and it probably came together at the beginning of this year just before lockdown when he upgraded me three times in a row which is not normal is it so I got upgraded on a flight to the states I then got upgraded on my car to a a Mustang that I could drive around Silicon Valley, <laughs> roaring around Silicon Valley. And they, the speed limits are not really enough for my Mustangs, but there you go. Uh, and, and, there, uh, and then I also got upgraded in an internal flight just before I then sat down with some guys at UNICEF in New York's, in their New York headquarters, who said to me, well, we should be doing something big together. Why don't we plan to ask one of these countries that we work with for $100 million for a hub to be based at Oxford to really transform the way we use data science to help with the lives of children and families? And I sort of thought, why not? Why aren't we asking for that sort of level of money and that sort of level of transformation? Um, and I came back to Oxford and found, actually, it's quite hard going getting my academics moving on that because they think that's a bit too big. Come on, guys in Oxford, let's be big, bigger in our thinking. <laughs> um, and alongside that, several other opportunities opened up where it became quite clear to me that we could do something really substantial and make a real difference in how we handle the world, how we handle uh, outer space as well, because I've been working a lot with space companies on the same sort of areas. <sighs> And I just couldn't do it in three days. I can't do it in three days a week. And God's just been speaking to me going, look, I've got these opportunities for you. So I feel like he's called me back to this full-time role at the university in order to actually take these things over the line from being ideas to actually making them happen. And that's, uh, that's the next phase of the journey for me. Okay, so Bev, you're going to join me, and we're going to, we're going to pray. Actually, in a minute, just so you know where we're going, we're going to pray blessing on all of our callings and all of our gifts and all of the things that God's calling all of us to do. Okay, so this, isn't, this, is, this is an example. It's a really good example, but it's an example of what God does with all of us. So, um, Bev, do you want to pray? Yeah, I do. I've... For those, sorry, for those who don't know, this is not a random person. People... Not seen me for a while. <laughs> uh, we're married and uh, and lead the church together. So there we go. Uh, I did just have a bit of prophetic for you, Simon, as well, which I want to pray into. I saw a picture of you holding a a slingshot, 
And uh, in it were people. It was an individual... I mean, not in the literal sense of the word. <laughs> but I saw you with a slingshot, and each stone that you fired was a person. And the, you were very accurately um, pulling back the, the elastic on it and pinging them into their destiny. And as they shot forward, as the stone shot forward it hit uh, like an exotic fruit, like mangoes and papayas and um, passion fruit. And I was just asking God what he was doing with that word and what he was saying. And I felt him say that you would, he would give you the gift to propel people into their destiny where they would be most fruitful. And I think the exotic fruit is representing possibly international places, with ta- people being taken further than they thought they could but to exactly where they needed to be because you managed to get it to hit on the spot on these fruit and uh, making them fruitful, so taking people into the passage they need to be on. So we, Lord, we thank you for Simon. Hmm. We love him and we love everything that he's been doing here with us and he will continue to do as an elder. We are very grateful for that. But we just want to place him back in his workplace We want to put him in the place where he will be fruitful and where you have sent him for such a time as this, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would just open the doors before him, that you would use him exactly where you have purposed him and that he would be fruitful and he would bring joy and that he would bring release to people and that you would place him where people need to go, that you'd put him in the rooms where people need to be so that he can shoot them into the future to exactly where you want them to be most fruitful, Lord Jesus. We pray that you'd bless the family in that as they transition Mm. as well for Carol and Sophie, especially, Lord. We pray that you'd bless them as a whole unit as they walk into your destiny, Lord. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you. I had that picture before, but without the fruit on the end of it. (laughs) So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Great. God bless you. Thanks, both of you. Uh, we're, we're, com- we're coming into land soon. Uh, we thought we'd have finished all of this by soon after half eleven. Just goes to show how much we know. Um, but here we are. Uh, it's, it's good to be together, and uh, I was really looking forward to this moment to pray pray a blessing on people I can see, as well as people that are looking on digitally. Uh, a blessing, on, as I said, on, on all of our vocations. You know, God has made each of us without making mistakes. You know, whatever gifts you've got, they're for purpose. Uh, if you're feeling a bit aimless at the moment, then I want God to speak into that, to change that. If you are facing unemployment and there's a particular challenge for you there, pray, you want to pray that God provides for you. Um, that he leads every one of us forward in, in his way and in his time. Do you just want to say, uh, importantly, that as Simon is vacating a pastoral role and are on the, the church staff, and in particular there's a pastoral team, that he has been leading, um, that role is going to be taken up by Lynn uh, Waddington. So, um, yeah, yeah, to that as well. Much happiness about that as well. There is another example of gifts coming right into um, uh, calling, and it's going to be a blessing to, to lots of us. Can I pray? Yes, I can. I know I can. I've done it before. <laughs> Lord God, thank you. Thank you that in your great wisdom, you made us all different 
and we can be united and we are diverse and you're amazing that you, you put us together like this, that we can have a, a society that's not just about people at the top making people below them conform and serve, but every one of us, your children, every one of us, uh, it's this kingdom of priests who serve you according to the way that you've made us. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone who lacks confidence that you've got purpose for them, anyone who lacks understanding of the gifts that you've given to them, Oh God, I pray for a freedom to come in Jesus' name. I want to pray for an end to those lies that keep people tied down and bound up, that say that they they haven't got a place and that they're not important because every one of us, Lord, you have created. Every one of us, you've prepared good works for us to do. And, And there's joy in doing them and there's fruitfulness that comes from them. And the kind of blessing we just prayed for Simon, Lord, I ask for every one of us, for every one of us in our paid work, in the things that we volunteer to do, in the things that sometimes are actually just demanded of us and sit with us as responsibilities, Lord, that in all of this we'd find anointing and fruitfulness. Come, Lord, strengthen us, your people, through your word and by your spirit at work in us, powerfully at work in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in us, propelling us into the future you've got for every one of us individually, and they're finding that actually we're still a body. Still a body. All the members, one body. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this morning. You are good to us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.